Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Oh, hit it shot. Oh, baby, what a play. This is Jeff Fedoten with Believe in Chiefs on the Believe Network, Kansas City's number one sports podcast network. The only place with a show for every team in KC and more. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? On this week's show, former Kansas City Chiefs offensive lineman Joe Valerio and I break down the Chiefs' loss to the Green Bay Packers and preview Sunday's game versus the Buffalo Bills. Joe, let's start with the questionable late-game calls and the Packers' loss. There's no call for pass interference against MVS on that deep pass toward the end of the game. And also um, on the Hail Mary, uh, no no call on, on Kelsey there. Joe, your take. Yeah, Jeff, I, you know, I hate to not answer your question directly, but I just, I just feel right now that there's something, there's a broader, more contextual issue at hand, and it's really refereeing in general in the NFL. I mean, I, you know, I, I certainly, we could single out those two questionable calls if, if we want to address those for Chiefs fans and, and why, you know, the Chiefs didn't win the game and, and what gave them less of a chance those calls that didn't seem to, to work for the Chiefs. But, you know, there was also the call with MVS, you know, absolutely, Jeff. And I'm a Chiefs fan. Listen, I played for the Chiefs. We cover the Chiefs. I love the Chiefs. Like, he wasn't going forward. Like, that that that, that clock should have kept running. And do I want Patrick Mahomes to be protected? Absolutely. I do not want that guy getting hurt. Jeff, that was a football play. Like, he was making an attempt to get a first down, and he was yeah, relatively yeah. inbounds. Like I'm so, so, so with you, and just to back up for so the listeners, because yeah. I'm we're so in tune, we'll have to give a little background. You're referring to the 15 yard penalty that was assessed to actually the husband of Simone Biles, the Packers right. defensive right. Player, who hit Mahomes when he was going out of bounds, which I also thought looked like a clean play. Yeah, I mean, and and you know, and and the to put into context, you know. Uh, Marquez Vidal scandling on the on the um, you know where they stopped the clock on that last drive. I mean he you know everyone knows the rules. You have to be making a forward progress. You have to be going forward when you go out of bounds to stop the clock. And you know I just have a you know look I I have to be objective here. He really wasn't (laughs) like I'm sorry, but you know so you know Jeff like I I do want to answer your questions about those two no calls because. Again, putting my objective hat on, forgetting any of my relationship with the Kansas City Chiefs, he got mugged on that play. I mean, you know, MVS, that was pass interference. I mean, I think the announcers were saying it. Everybody believes it. But but, but again, to go back to my original comment, like the officiating has gotten so bad in the NFL that it's like, when do you call it? When don't you call it? Like there's no consistency and it just seems like there's not enough officials out on the field. Like that's what I, that's the way I, that's I the feeling so I get with, watching the game. I, I'm so with you, Joe. You know the uh, I'm thinking about too that people are complaining about the no calls. Um, there was a really a better Thursday night game than we've had in some time. Cowboys Seahawks, really up and down game, a lot of fun offense, and they, the game was kind of ruined because they were calling everything. They were calling it too right. much. There was so over penalized um so i'm with you a hundred percent on everything and then if you're going to be upset about the pass interference that should have been called on mbs then you have to consider as you said that 15 yard on a um late hit on on mahomes that was called um the other thing that is important i think for context too 
is I don't think it's a lock that the Chiefs, if they get that pass interference call, that they win the game. What they're actually Pacheco had been thrown out of the game, and the Chiefs have had trouble with short yardage. They've kind of found their answer with Pacheco of late, but they had to get eight points. So that's a lot tougher without their best short yardage back to to not only score from distance, but then to get the two point conversion. I, I'm not sure that that's necessary. I mean, the Chiefs very well could have scored, but it's not. It's not the. I think the no brainer it would have been if Pacheco uh, was still in the lineup. Then, then yeah. the Hail Mary call, I actually don't think I, – I think there was a shove, but Hail Marys, they kind of let him play. I think it's got to be real egregious on that one. Yeah, I mean, it's it's such a – you know, it's such a, a, a strange play to try to call interference on because it's just a it's, – it's a, it's a muckle play, right? We used to play that when we were kids in the yard. We would throw the ball up in the air, and everybody would just tackle each other to try to get the ball, and we used to call it muckle. Um, you know, it's just, a, it's a mess. And, and to be able to, to in real time, call something like that, it's, it's almost, it's darn near impossible, right? Cause it's, it's basically a jump ball. Um, you know, Jeff, I, I, I think I've, I've said this before on, on other pods. I know I have. And to me, I think we, we could solve this problem or at least mitigate the problem. If we made the officials full time, paid them a boatload of money and used more replay believe it or not i i think i think we can use i think more replay needs to be used in the nfl i think they need to go and i forget which which upstart league was using that whole uh they called it the eye in the sky rule where like the eye in the sky could make the change on a call Mm -hmm. like that i mean they've done it in tennis right like tennis there are very few linesmen now in tennis in the game of tennis it's all computerized and it's all video review I mean, they can do it quickly. It's not going to stall the game to be able to look at something real quickly and make the call. I think we'd get cleaner play um, out of players, and we'd be able to go back and watch something like the Isaiah Pacheco penalty where I got to say the other guy was giving him the business, and I think there was a little bit of an unnecessary reference Roughness yeah. on that guy's part. Yeah, both guys should have been right. Both guys should have been Because it's always the second guy in. Because to mm-hmm. me, I was I was actually a little bit upset with Isaiah at that point. Because, you know, that cost the Chiefs 15 yards. Jeff, they would have been on the 35-yard line with what? About, I, I want to say what, a minute left? Something like that? I, I, yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm blanking on the time. But they would have had a decent amount of time on the 35-yard line. Now they're Very on the 50 Mm-hmm. And that's, dude, that's huge. When you've mm-hmm. got whatever, whether it was somewhere between, call it 40 and seconds and 60 seconds. I can't remember the exact time. But regardless, you know, that is a huge, because with no timeouts, that means you can take more shots towards the end zone. You can run down, spike the ball. You can do a little bit of a quicker out route to get even a little bit closer. So now you're throwing a 10 to 15 to 20 yard strike into the end zone as opposed to trying to throw a Hail Mary, right? Like to me, I was a little upset at that. So yes, you know, Isaiah Pacheco, he's a passionate dude. Like I get it. And I love that about him, man. I love that about the way he plays. But at that point, you've got to put your head on and say, I could, you know, I I throw a punch at somebody on the field, regardless of what they're doing. That's the first thing they teach you in, in Pop Warner football. It's this, especially when you, football's an aggressive sport. It's, always the second guy in always it's always the second guy in that gets the penalty it doesn't matter 
And, and so there was so much stuff happened. So like, anyway, I know I, I went off on that tangent about the, the refs, but like they could have probably at least maybe just given each team offsetting penalties there. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and because that other guy was given, he was, he was like whipping him around and he was grabbing body parts. He shouldn't have been grabbing. And so that, that part, that part of it was, if you had video review on that, you could see that, you know, Isaiah Pacheco wasn't, he was, you know, it takes two to tango. I get it. But like, it just, anyway, make the refs full time. Jeff, I've said this before. I've done the math. Like you've got hundreds of millions of dollars of payroll on the field at Every game is a multi-billion-dollar product. You can you you can pay the the refs a little more. I agree. Pay the refs enough that they can. That's all they do is study and watch film and get judged and make it ultra competitive. The way that an NFL player is 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 viewed, right? You know you don't think that every single video is watched on every player and and they make assessments about players about whether they're good enough and players get cut all the time. You know. Nobody finishes their career on a high note. Like, you know, there's like 10 players a year who retire because they want to retire, right? You know, like Tom Brady retired when he wanted to retire. Patrick Mahomes will retire when he wants to retire. But you know what? The vast majority of us, we're told to leave. So do if you create and, – and, and why is that? It's because the pay is good. And if you can compensate the reps and really put the spotlight on them from a judgment perspective and, it, and you make it so – incentivized to want to be an NFL official and the pay would be dynamite. Like you could set your, your family up for life by being a great official. I just think we'd get a better product. I think we'd have referees who are in better shape. They would be more adept at making calls and, and, and they would just be ready to do things, you know, on the fly and be more consistent is what I think every NFL fans looking for. Right now you have the way it is right now. A lot of times the refs, when, once they get kind of some status, a guy like a Dean Blandino, every network has former refs, you know, kind of in the booth or not in the booth, but as part of the broadcast, giving their analysis, you know, there's more, there'd be less incentive for these best of the refs to jump to these positions if they were better compensated too. And it was a full, full-time gig where they didn't have other jobs. Couldn't agree with you more, Joe, about the officiating issues. I, I think it's the biggest thing plaguing, NFL games. And I, my other thing is I hope technology, maybe AI and things like that, maybe there'll be more tracking. Maybe there'll be even less needs, um, less need for officials. But in the meantime, agree that they have to, uh, they have to make them full time. They have to pay them more. Well, before we uh, go a little bit further here with our analysis, the holiday season is off and rolling with NFL in full stride and the NBA and NHL hitting midseason form. Bet Online is your number one destination for all your sports wagering info. With up to the minute sports wagering news, odds, trends, and predictions, Bet Online is the top spot for everything pro and amateur sports. Not just Big Four. Bet Online has info available at your fingertips with both desktop and mobile access at any time for almost any sport that's played. From MMA to international soccer, I would suggest heading to Bet Online today and remember to use our promo code BELIEVE. B-L-E-A-V for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Uh, Joe, when we were texting during the game, you had some interesting things to say about George Karloftis, who we really like as a second-year player. Uh, can you flesh that out a little bit further? T- tell me, tell the listeners what, what you saw. 
Well, you know, one of the hardest things for a defensive end to do is to is to we used to call it in 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 sort of the you know professionals terms is is keep contain right. So when you think about an oval pass rush, right, you think about that half of a circle or half of an oval that surrounds the quarterback or any play, the outside player, it's you want to force everything back into the middle of the field where the majority of your teammates are, right? You got 11 guys. Mm -hmm. You don't want things to go outside of you because, it, number one, it opens up the sideline, it expands the field, and it, and it, it allows, you know, or it doesn't allow your, your teammates to be able to pursue as well. But if you can funnel everything into the middle of the field where more of your players are, you have a much better chance. And one of the things that I saw last night during some of Jordan Love's, you know, kind of escape the pocket and big throws that he was making is he was he was basically what we would have called in in sort of, uh, you know, business terms, we would have called it escaping the containment. Right. And he was getting outside of that semicircle that you're supposed to build with a pass rush. And I noticed that George on a couple of uh, plays had lost contain and allowed Jordan Love to get outside and, and it bought him that much more time. And with a young quarterback, you know, you've got to uh, not give him that because, you know, Jordan Love's still figuring it out. Patrick Mahomes, he can find the pocket within the pocket. So when you contain Patrick Mahomes and you rush your defensive ends outside of him, he, he steps up in the pocket and goes up and out of the pocket, right? So he goes up towards the line. Then he starts running towards the line of scrimmage or towards the sideline, but he has to, that's how he breaks contain. But the last thing you want to do is allow containment to be broken by just rushing outside of the defensive end because it buys the quarterback a ton of time. So basically what I was saying when we were texting Jeff is, you know, something I haven't really seen a whole lot out of, of, of George Karloftis this year was that, that lack of discipline on keeping the quarterback contained in the pocket. And he was he was ducking inside the pocket trying to make a play. And, and the same thing goes whenever you see a big sweep to the outside, like when the Chiefs do their jet sweep and, and Patrick will hand the ball off or pitch it to the guy who's running in front of him to do the jet sweep, which they used to run with Tyreek Hill a lot. Right. You have you when there's a fake going the other way, you can't be undisciplined and try to go in and make the play on like a run pass option. You got to keep your containment and stay disciplined. So watch that, you know, listeners, as you're, as you're watching game and, and I call it keeping containment on defense. And that was something I hadn't seen out of George Karloftis. And that's why I had to make that point to you uh, when it happened in the game, because he's generally been really good at, at keeping that containment. And he, he wasn't last night and allowed Jordan love to make some big plays down the stretch. Great point there, Joe. Before we uh, move on um, to it's a very big game against the Bills on Sunday. Um, just one more point about I, and we're going to move to some more optimism. But you know, we're coming off yeah. a loss to a game that the Chiefs were favored in that we we really thought the Chiefs win. So just one more note, Joe, on 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 what you're seeing with the the wide receivers there. It, it still seems pretty unsettled. Yeah, it just doesn't seem like we have a number one. You know, we're trying to spread things around. And and I guess, you know, the word disappointed probably comes to mind is I was really surprised that they didn't use Rasheed Rice down the end there in the red zone. I don't, you know, that was our goal. That was my hope going into this game, right? And we said it on our on our last podcast for listeners who go back and listen. But my goal and my hope was that they used him and start to declare him the number one. And if you're going to do that, you got to go with somebody in those tough situations down in the red zone. And, and they didn't, right? You know, Travis led in receiving again 
And, you know, it, it, it can't make you happy as great as Travis. I love when he leads the team in receiving, but he's still your tight end. And, and as you can see, it's starting to degrade our pass game a little bit, right? Is not having a number one receiver that's your go-to that you're going to declare. Because what it will do, if, if, if they just decide to, to declare Rashid Rice one of the you know, the, the number one receiver, what's going to happen is the more they target and the more they go, it's going to open it up for everybody else. And that's how you can spread the ball around right now, this committee receiving core and not knowing where the ball is going to go. It's, it's, it's really not allowing anything to be open. Um, regardless of whether Rasheed Rice is a number one, make him your number one and go with it. So I, I you know, they've just got a lot of work to do and it just, it, it it harkens back to the to the Super Bowl where the Chiefs lost, and when the offensive line was just an absolute disaster. And and I hate to use that term, but they were. And everybody be the you know, there's a lot of Chiefs fans that would be the first to admit it. I, I think it's we're in that boat right now where this receiving core has to be completely revamped, and they've got to figure it out in the off season and and get by with what we have right now because we know that ship has sailed, and now it's it's about you know. So I, I thought the I thought making Rasheed Rice the the go-to would at least get them towards, you know, something that would be workable in the playoffs. Joe, a great analogy there to the offensive line issues. They not lost to the Buccaneers in the Super Bowl. Uh, a little bit of a grim analogy, but it definitely works. But we're going to have – we're going to take a brief break, but then we have a little bit of optimism and uh, to tell fans with some, some good news with the way the playoff scenario could actually um, work out. Well, we're back. Um, so the good news, yes, the Chiefs have dropped to 8-4. Yes, they've lost two of three. But if you look at the, the playoff seedings in the AFC, everyone has at least three losses. And the one the one good thing, the Chiefs have lost one game uh, to the Broncos to an AFC team. All the others, Lions, Eagles, Packers on Sunday, were – NFC teams. And so it goes first, the first tiebreaker when you're going for number one overall seed is head to head, obviously. And the Chiefs are actually pretty good there, too, because they've beaten the Dolphins and the Jaguars, two teams in contention um, for the number one seed. Uh, and then the next thing is conference, um, your conference record. So the Chiefs are pretty good there because they've had just the one loss. And the Chiefs also have a pretty easy schedule to end the season. So not all hope is lost, given those what I just said. And there's still, I think, a very good chance the Chiefs could get the one seed. And if there's the one seed, if they're playing in Arrowhead again to host the playoffs, you got to feel pretty good about those chances. Um, of course, the Chiefs, though, Joe, do have one. I think this is their last kind of tough matchup left. And it is a tough one. A, a desperate Bills team at 6-6 six and six who really needs a win. Um, really needs a win to stay in the playoff race. And Joe, the Chiefs, you know, had a late Sunday night game. The Bills had a bye, so we're going to get a well-rested uh, Bills team with a week to prepare for the Chiefs. Yeah, no, and and that's Jeff. Thanks for sharing that. Cause that's great analysis on you know kind of where we are right now with the standings and and sort of the playoff picture. Um, you know, I'm going to pull. I'm going to call it the Fedotin theory. <laughs> and and I think we're going to name it. It's going to have a name. Um, the Fedotin theory always says that the team that has the most to lose <laughs> is generally the one that wins. 
And, and uh, you know, I think that's something that we have to be really careful for right now. And, and you kind of started to lay, you laid the foundation for, for me making that comment by talking about the grimness of the Bills playoff picture versus like, okay, the Chiefs schedule pretty easy down the road, especially once they get past this game. You know, even if for some crazy reason they lose this game, which I don't think they do, they're still, you know, they'll be eight and five. You know, they're going to win. The, they're they're going to win out after that. They're going to win the division. And so, like, you know, that's not a question. But the Bills, if they lose this game, it might be over for them. So, you know, using that theory, the Fedotin theory is, you know, Love we've got to, we're going to have to strap up the chin straps and, and really bring the heat uh, against this Buffalo Bills team at Arrowhead and kind of put, you know, the, the critics uh, at bay and sort of, uh, you know, quell a lot of the fears that, that Chiefs fans might have that, you know, that this team is, is you know, is not going to be somebody who's going to go, you know, too far in the playoffs. Because, you know, I'm just there's a lot of negativity out there right now. We have to, we have to dispel all that because this is a great football team. That's got really a couple of things to work on, which all teams do, you know, at any given time. Right. I mean, this team needs to work on the passing game and, and they need to do some things to, to make up for some of the injuries that they have, um, especially at the, in the linebacking core, uh, you know, be a little bit better against the run. So really that's it. Every, all the other pieces are there. Um, you know, I think, I think, you know, this, this game will be a great test for them. Like you said, coming off of a, of a, of a Sunday night game playing against a team who's, who's has a buy and is hungry. So yeah, this is going to be, this is going to be a really good test, a really good test for the chiefs, but again, don't lose, don't lose heart chiefs fans because, you know, we got a lot of football left and, and still huge opportunity to be the number one seed and, and make uh, everything come through arrowhead again in 2023. I kind of teased this on the last pod that I was, thinking if I thought the Chiefs would probably squeak by the Packers and then I was going to kind of pick the Bills to beat the Chiefs. Mm -hmm. I just thought this was our last tough game and I thought last tough stretch and I thought one of these teams would knock off the Chiefs. Um, And I I can't see the Chiefs losing two in a row. I mean, I also can't see the Bills. Like, I still think the Bills are have enough talent to to make the playoffs. They really need this to win. But I I think I'm going to pick the Chiefs. Again, squeak by this one. I, I don't think they'll lose two in a row. I don't think they'll lose three or four, but I certainly wouldn't be shocked if the desperate Bills team um, uh, pulls it out. On paper, I think the Bills the, the, the Bills have a, a lot of issues. They still have Josh Allen, but he's been way too turnover prone. Uh, the game gets away. They get away from the run, and they ask him to do too much. Mm-hmm. Um, he has – Stephon Diggs is excellent. They really don't have enough – Secondary targets. Sometimes it's Gabe Davis. Uh, Dawson Knox has been banged up. Don Kincaid's a rookie. He's had some drops. And then defensively, they used, they were such, for much of last year, such a great unit. They lost Matt Milano with a, a leg injury, probably for the year, but at least most of it. That was a huge loss. One of the best linebackers, one of the most mm-hmm. underrated linebackers and underrated defensive players in the NFL. Uh, and, and then when they were so good last year is when they really had Von Miller He's back, but he's really doesn't look like himself and hasn't made much of an impact. So you're you you're down two guys like that on the defense. They don't have, I think, quite the same depth. The Chiefs have so much depth. You know, if they lose a linebacker, if they lose two middle linebackers, like we saw, they're in tr- trouble. But they, if they lose one linebacker, they're okay. If they lose one defensive lineman, so I, I I think 
this this game really makes me nervous because I think the Bills are a good team. They've won two in a row in the regular season at Arrowhead, so they know how to win there. Um, mm-hmm. and I, I think the Chiefs are the better team. I think the Bills are the more desperate team, which tends toward the Fidoan theory of me wanting to pick the Bills. But <laughs> I, I think the Chiefs eke this out. Joe, how do you see it uh, shaping up score-wise, and what, what matchup what uh, are you kind of focused in on? Yeah, I think I for for me, you know, I think the Chiefs win this game. I I I didn't I've never doubted that this team can't win every game that they they play. I mean, this this Chiefs team because when, when things click for them, things click. And for right now, I mean, look, I'm going to make a very very captain obvious statement, Jeff. I think it's it's the two things that I alluded to earlier. I think number 1 I would keep my eyes on what this Chiefs receiving core is going to do and what Matt Nagy and Andy Reid are going to do um, to to make sure that Rasheed Rice is the number one target. Now, we all know that Travis is like the, the he's like the default number one. I get it. But like we've got to make sure that we ha- that Rasheed Rice is our number one wide receiver going into this thing. And I think I think. You know, Sky Moore has lost a lot of fan points um, after this game, not to be critical, but, you know, I've seen a lot of noise on social media about that last play and, you know, whether or not we need to go back to the drawing board there. Go with Rasheed Rice. Just go with it. Like, we, 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 we have nothing to lose at this point in the passing game if we just make him, you know, the number one receiver. I mean, he proven he can do it. I mean, at 64 yards last night, he had eight receptions. You know, he had double anybody else's production from a receptions perspective. Now, of course, Travis always finds a way to have high average per catch, but he only had four catches. Um, you know, so go with it. Like, just like put him in in the in the red zone. Like, let's make this work. I mean, I, you know, I know they were thinking about MVS, you know, down the stretch and, because he's tall and, you know, he can get those out routes in the back shoulder throws on the sideline. But like, just, just go with it. Like, that's what I need. I need the Chiefs to do. I think they need to just target him and keep targeting him. And I, I know he, I know I'm saying something that's counterintuitive because he had nine targets, but like he's got to get all the targets, especially down the red zone. Because what's going to happen is it's going to, like I said earlier, it's going to open every, it's going to open it up for everybody else. Um, on on defense, you know, one of the things that we said about not to go back on the Packers game, but one of the things that we didn't seem to be worried about, and I don't want to speak for you, Jeff. I know I wasn't. I I was looking at the Packers running game, and it, and I even used the word. I think yeah. I remember using the word anemic, and it really was. And I was as they're running the ball, I'm like, what is happening? Like, and then I'm thinking about, well, it's 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 being out on the field, right? It's 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 getting tired, and it's you know it's missing you know, Nick Bolton and Drew Tranquil. I mean, we lost Drew Tranquil early, and and I don't want to take anything away from from Jack Cochran I thought he did an admirable job and you know Chris Collinsworth you know and Mike Tirico on on the uh, broadcast had said you know look here's a guy that probably didn't get a whole lot of snaps during the week and probably true right I mean he he probably took a few snaps here and there with the ones uh the one group you know the starters uh during the week but probably not a whole lot and I thought he did a pretty admirable job jumping in there so the depth is there um, and now it's just, you know, it's a matter of, you know, coach Spagnola dialing up the right defenses at the right time to make sure that the bills don't get going in the running game. So chiefs pass game, stopping the bills run game. I think that that's a formula for success, uh, given every, all the other tools that the chiefs have. 
Joe, I'm right there with you. And just to kind of uh, piggyback on a couple of your points, um, yeah, I didn't think the Ch- the Chiefs' defense has been so so good this year, but we've seen that the run defense has been kind of a in- increasing as a as an issue the last several games. And I too didn't think the Packers would have. Um, with Aaron Jones out, I didn't think the Packers would have much of a running game. You know, A.J. Dillon's got some talent. He's a big mm-hmm. uh, back, which I think sometimes the Chiefs have more trouble with the big backs than the, the smaller, faster ones. And I think, you know, he was kind of nicked up early in the year. I think he's healthier, so maybe he's a, a better ver- better back than what we've seen early in the year. Um, but I think the running game could really determine this game. Uh, if, if the Chiefs have to improve on defense against the running game and the Bills – they always put too much on Josh Allen or often put too much on him. If they get the running game going, keep some of the pressure off Josh Allen, that's going to really help them. What what could help the Chiefs is uh, is if uh, Drew Tranquil, you know, with the concussion, or Nick Bolton, who was practicing this week, returns. Uh, Andy Reid was asked about that on Monday, and he, was, he said he really didn't know. It was pretty evasive, but it sounds like there um, is a chance. Uh, Joe, how do you see uh, – how do you see the score for this game? And do you think the Chiefs are trailing with 13 seconds and come back? Yeah. <laughs> well, we were all, we were almost there against the Packers um, in that same <laughs> boat. Um, you know, I think you know, I think I think the teams are going to score. I think the Chiefs are going to work to score points. Um, I think they're going to try to open things up in the passing game, but you know. They'd be wise to also make sure that they control the clock and keep Josh Allen off the field. And use Isaiah Pacheco. He's been running the ball really well, and the offensive line has been blocking really well. So, you know, that is something that um, could keep the, the Chiefs from scoring a lot of points. But I think this is going to be a game where the Chiefs are going to go out of the gate fast, and and the Bills are going to try to and to a certain degree keep up because we know they can, right? We know that they. They, these two teams play off of each other. When you watch these games that they play, they, it's like it's like a heavyweight boxing match where they just keep throwing roundhouses at each other. So I'm thinking it's going to be like you know one of the like a 31 to 27 type game where the Chiefs you know the Chiefs win and it's you know I think they're between the two teams they score you know well over 50 points. I think I think I'm looking at like a 31 27 game. Man, that I can't wait for this, Joe. If the Chiefs win, the Bills are six and seven. Are they? Are they done? You think they make the playoffs if they lose this game? I mean, short of uh, you know, short of anything, something really crazy happening, right? I mean, because you've got, you know, you've got the Dolphins locked up, you've got the Chiefs locked up, you've got the Ravens locking things up, the Jags. I mean, then don't forget, like. You got a lot of teams at seven and five: the Colts, the Texans, the Steelers, the Browns. Um, ugh, it's it's going to be really tough to break in there, Jeff. They're, they're they're obviously if they if they lose this game, they're absolutely not winning the you know the AFC East, mm-hmm. right? There's no there's no. I think it, it may even be mathematically impossible for them to overtake the Dolphins. I'd have to do the math, but but um, you know trying to sneak into one of those wild card spots, who. That's going to be really tough if if they lose this game, given the number of teams that are, you know, really, um, you know, really ahead of them at this point. So and, and that are that are playing pretty pretty decent football. That just shows the, the how high the stakes are 
uh, for this game for the Bills. And, man, it would be crazy to think uh, Bills-Bengals, very possible that neither makes the playoffs this year. Well, if you enjoyed this show presented by Bet Online, please subscribe. We're available on your favorite directories iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Luminary, and TuneIn. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back next week. Go, Chiefs. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B L E A V on YouTube.